0: If I told you tonight that there's a major threat to our lives and to our families and that it's affecting almost everyone here, if not everybody here in some way, and that's including adults and young people, would you think that's something God cares about? Would you think that's got something God would want to help us with tonight? Well, tonight I want to talk to you about the topic or actually i want to just the thing that i'm talking about is called pornography and yes the statement that i just made about its impact is true it's affecting virtually every home in some way that's incredible isn't it listen to these numbers from a couple of different sources over 70 percent of u.s adults go online that's about 160 million adults 40 million of those 160 million regularly visit pornographic websites. That means that of all of us adults who are online, and I would say that that most of us here are online in some way, that of all of us adults, 25% regularly visit those kind of websites. That means tonight, if we just went around and said, okay, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, across the room. That means out of every four adults, that fourth person would be in that category tonight. Listen to this. 90% of all 8 to 16-year-olds have viewed some type of pornography online in some way. Now, admittedly, at least initially, many times that's an accident, but it still is the case. Over 50% of men surveyed at a Promise Keepers event said that they had viewed pornography online in the last week before they came to that event. Half the guys that were coming to an event that that they are saying we as men want God to speak to us, half of those men had viewed pornography online that week before. Almost 50% of Christians say that this is a major problem in their household. Every second over $3,000 is spent on pornography. Boom, 3,000. Boom, 3,000. 1,000, one 3,000. Every second, almost 30,000 people are viewing pornography. The pornography industry is a $100 billion per year industry worldwide. To put that in perspective, that is larger than the combined revenues of Microsoft, Google, Amazon, eBay, Yahoo, Apple, Netflix, and Earthlink. Altogether, the $13 billion that is spent in the United States is more than the combined revenues of ABC, CBS, and NBC. It's no wonder that when we ask you, tell us about the real you. Tell us about what you really struggle with, but what you would be... Um, what you would find most difficult to share with other people, it's no uh, surprise that many of us would say, I struggle with temptation. And specifically tonight, I struggle with sexual temptation. It's a struggle that we have had since the beginning of time. But it's more available to us today than certainly ever before. And it is tearing lives apart, isn't it? Yet it's something very difficult to share with other people. It's something very difficult to deal with in any kind of way. And many times we feel like that it's not something that the church can help us with. It's not something that our church can address in any kind of way. But here's the problem. It's the real me, isn't it? It's really where I am. And that's what our current series is about. So that's what we're going to deal with tonight. I want us to talk together tonight about the topic in the Real Me series, I am tempted. Specifically tonight, we're talking about sexual temptation. And I want to be very clear about our purpose tonight. It's not to guilt you. It's not to shame you. It's not to make you feel lower than a snake. I mean, it's not a, oh, great, tonight, I've got a struggle. now, Now the pastor, now the Bible's going to talk about how bad I am for doing that. You know what? I don't think that most of us intentionally are doing wrong if we're doing wrong in our life. I think many of us many times have good intentions. We certainly not are intentionally trying to destroy our lives, are we? We're not intentionally trying to destroy our families, but many of us have been caught in a trap. And tonight, that's why we want to think about those things. We want to help. Amen. If you were walking along and you saw someone caught in a trap, wouldn't you do everything you could to help them get out? And first of all, I want us to understand something very important as we begin. First of all, I want you to know something that I believe God's Word teaches. It is not wrong for us to have desires. Did you know that? It's not wrong for us to have desires. There are many religions, including many who claim to be Christians, that have taught, now listen, some of you have grown up in churches like this, many Christians have taught that we are to refrain totally from any enjoyment in this world that we kind of saw that emphasis in Thailand. Buddhism has that emphasis. There's this idea of, you know, enlightenment or getting to a place where I'm sort of, uh, you know, beyond the things of this world. I'm sort of beyond the, uh, the pleasures of this world. In fact, even in the early church, they had to combat an idea that we now call asceticism. And this is what it means. Asceticism describes a lifestyle characterized by abstinence from various sorts of worldly pleasures often with the aim of pursuing religious and spiritual goals. Okay, do you hear what that's saying? There are people who would say, I've got to refrain from any worldly pleasure, and if I do that, that will gain me in some way with God. Some forms of Christianity and other religions teach, actually, that salvation and liberation involve a process of mind-body transformation effected by exercising restraint with respect to the actions of the body, of speech, and mind. So in other words, I can earn God's favor if I can just get beyond the influences of this world. Well, good luck with that. Amen? (laughs) That's the depressing part of religion. Religion is our attempt to fix our problem. It's our attempt to get to God, and we cannot do that. But it's some of these ideas that have given many people the impression that any form of religious life can basically be boiled down to a bunch of no's. That's what a lot of people think God is about. That's what a lot of people think church is about. That's what a lot of people think the Bible is about. It's just, no, I know that's fun, but you can't do that. No, I know you enjoy that, but you can't do that. You just gotta basically just grin and bear it until life's over, and then you'll get heaven. Then it'll be all worth it. So when it comes to this area of sexual temptation, sometimes churches have given the idea that all sexual desires are wrong, that you should not have those and you should feel bad that you do. There's just one problem. God gave them to us. God gave us those desires. In fact, let me turn what I'm just talking about around with some things that I think the Lord's been teaching me. Listen to this. It's actually not just okay to have desires. It may, in fact, be wrong not to have strong desire. Did you hear what I said? It's actually not just okay to have desires. It may be wrong, if you are a follower of Jesus, to not have strong desire. God made us to be passionate. God made us to feel things. God made us to enjoy things, to be engaged in life, not disengaged in life. The wrong is not that we desire or we enjoy things. Many times it's just what we desire. Do you hear me? Or what we enjoy. And some people have put it like this. It's not that we have too much desire. Don't miss this. It's actually that we have too little. Our desires should be stronger. If our desires were stronger, they would not settle for anything less than God and what He wants to bless us with. Did you hear that? Psalm 37, verse 4. I was looking at that verse this week and it just came alive to me in a way that I've never read it before. In Psalm 37, the first part of that verse, we usually read the first part real quick and then we go to that second part because we really like that. But in verse 4, the first part, let's just read that tonight. It says in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord. Stop. Don't read the rest of the verse. Delight yourself in the Lord. It's a command. Isn't that interesting? God commands you to delight yourself. Take, actually it's hard to even translate this word. It's like take extreme delight in the Lord. It's saying experience great happiness in God. And actually, as I, as I begin to look at the word more closely, it's, it's an over-the-top word. I mean, I mean, just think of the word delight. How many times do you use the word delight? I mean, oh, oh, that's just delightful. I have never used that word. Just that word's a big word for me. Amen. This word, God's commanding us. Find enjoyment in the Lord. Find extreme, overwhelming fulfillment in the Lord. It's almost like he's saying, just go ahead, get your fill of God and all that he has for you. Isn't that cool? Delight yourself. Come and taste and see, what? That the Lord, he's good, amen? Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11. This is kind of a celebration of someone who's being close to God. Friends, listen, I'm going to tell you something. What I'm talking about here right now, see, a lot of times we focus on the negatives. This is the positive. Usually behind the negative is a positive principle. The positive principle is God has so much for you. And many of us do not even realize it. We don't even know to expect so much more in our relationship with God. Are you hearing me? There is so much more for you. Even there are some Christians in this room, you have sort of risen to the level of the basic expectation that people expect a Christian to rise to. That's a dangerous place. Do you know what I'm talking about? I grew up in a church where there was kind of a certain point that people kind of stopped at. And I thought that was normal. Then I began to realize God had more for me than that. Amen? Tonight, I pray that God would speak to you It's not that he's just saying no to something. He said, I'm saying no to that because I have so much more for you. In a close relationship with me, he says, I have set the Lord continually before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. This is just describing a close personal relationship with God. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. Or that can be just be translated the grave. Nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. Ultimately, what can anybody do to me? Even when I die, God's not going to leave me there. That's what he's saying. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasure, pleasures forevermore. Isn't that great? tonight, I believe that God would say to us, listen, the church, his people, his word, his message is not, hey, <laughs> <you're> sorry, <laughs> you signed up for the military. It's going to be hard. It's just going to be difficult. It's not going to be any fun. There's not going to be any blessing. You just got to wait for heaven. Certainly we know there's difficulty. But God says to delight yourself, find great pleasure in the Lord. Are you getting the picture? When we're addressing temptation and lust, we're not not saying Christians should not ever desire anything good. We're actually saying that Christians should desire more than we normally do. We should desire God and all the awesome things He has for us. I wish we had a little more time to think through that a little bit, but we need to move on. Because I want us to think about the second thing. We need tonight to talk about the danger of this thing called sexual sin. Now, what do I mean by sexual sin? Basically, the Bible seems to indicate sexual sin is any intimate sexual relationship outside of one man and one woman committed together in marriage. That could be adultery. That could be premarital sex. That could be homosexuality. There's there's many things the Bible lists as that. The danger of that, though. There's something about that that is unlike any other sin in our lives. People will tell you it's one of the hardest struggles. And some of you do not know that very well, don't you? It is one of the hardest struggles to get over. And I think we should take the approach that the Bible takes on this topic. The best thing that I can do for you today is scare you to death. Seriously. I want to scare you about letting the sin grab hold in your life. We could start with the physical impact. You know, if I make a decision to go that route, to go against God's purpose for this area of our lives, did you know that you can actually get diseases that could stay with you for the rest of your life or that could take your life? I actually have friends from high school that made decisions in high school and they're still paying for those decisions today. What about the mental and emotional impact? The Bible says that that God has created man and woman to have in, in that marriage relationship a union unlike any other on this earth. And when we have a partial union with another person on that most intimate level, there's certainly got to be some hurtful repercussions, to say the least. Amen. I what about the spiritual impact? What about the guilt, the regret with God? The guilt towards the person that we violate, and we're going to talk about that more in just a minute. The guilt towards the other people in our life who've been affected. But two of the most important Bible passages that I can point you towards are in the book of Proverbs. And I want to read those verses tonight. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. And then we're going to look at Proverbs 7 here in just a minute. In Proverbs 5, verse 1, in talking about the danger, he says, my son, give attention to my wisdom. All right? We're sitting down having family devotion. Kids, listen up. Hey, hey, tonight, dad wants to share with you some things that are very important. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying in this proverb. He says, listen, my son, pay attention, incline your ear, lean over, incline your ear to my understanding that you may observe discretion and your lips may reserve knowledge. In other words, this is pretty important what I'm about to share with you, Okay. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and smoother than oil is her speech. You can just kind of put out to the the side in your Bible here what we're about to read. Danger, danger, danger. The lips of an adulteress drip honey, smoother than oil is her speech. But in the end, by the way, one thing that we ought to do when we're faced with temptation is play out the DVD, okay? In the end, okay, sometimes things seem right at the beginning, But what's it going to end up like? In the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold of Sheol or the grave, your grave. She does not ponder the path of life. This is not someone to connect your life with. This is an unstable person. Her ways are unstable. She does not know it. Now then, my sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Would you hear your heavenly father say it? And he's specifically talking to his son here, but it could be sons or daughters. He's talking to children here. He says, listen to me. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. Boy, if you would just start that in your Bible, that may be one of the best things you ever marked. Keep your way far from there and do not go. or or you can make that decision or you will give your vigor to others and your years to the cruel one. The best years of your life can be wasted and strangers will be filled with your strength and your hard earned goods will go to the house of a foreigner, of an alien. That kind of sounds like going to court and paying attorneys, doesn't it? You, you spent all your life working and scraping and saving up and it's just wasted in a few moments You lose your house, you lose your job, you lose your family, and you groan at your final end when your flesh and your body are consumed. That could be physical, or it could just be just the guilt that's welling up there. And you say, how I've hated instruction. You hear that regret? Oh, my goodness, I wish I had listened. My prayer tonight is that two years from now, you won't say, "I, I remember Pastor Robbie talking about this oh how i wish that night i was kind of listening but my mind wasn't really on it but now i think back i wish i had listened that's what this person's saying i have not listened to the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to my instructors then go over to uh, chapter 7 verses 1 2 through 23 and verses 1 through 5 it's basically the same thing hey son listen perk up pay attention dad's got something to say to you be smart here for at the window of my house, I looked out through my lattice, and I saw among the naive. Now, this is how it's describing someone who's going to make this decision. It's really literally, I saw among the simple ones. This is somebody, I mean, not to be ugly, but it's not very smart. Okay, is what it's saying. And discerned among the youths, a young man lacking sense. Now, listen to the intrigue of this. Passing through the street corner, Passing through the street near her corner, and he takes the way to her house. Is that far? Is that staying far away? He takes the street corner, near near her corner, and he takes the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening. What's that sound like? Covert, doesn't it? Got to be hidden in the middle of the night and in the darkness. And behold. Here's the drama here. Here's the intrigue. And behold, a woman comes to meet him, dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart. She is boisterous and rebellious. Her feet do not remain at home. She's very intriguing. Oh, wow. She is now in the streets, now in the squares and lurks by every corner. She seizes him and kisses him. And with a brazen face, she says to him, this is just the right time. I was due to offer peace offerings. Today I've paid my vows Therefore, I have come out to meet you, to seek your presence earnestly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings. Oh, it's just the perfect time. Everything's working out just right. It seems so right. That's basically what this person is saying. Come, let us drink of our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with caresses, for my husband's not at home. And basically, she says to him, he's going to be gone for a long time. With her many persuasions, she entices him with her flattering lips, she seduces him, and then in verse 22, you can almost just hear the guillotine. Down on his neck. Suddenly. Maybe you should start that word. Suddenly. Isn't that what sin does to us? All of a sudden, it's over. Suddenly, he's gotten. She, she's, she's grabbed hold of his attention. Suddenly he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as one in fetters or chains to the discipline of a fool until an arrow pierces through his liver as a bird hastens or runs to a trap so he does not know that it will cost him his life. You know what would be a good way to summarize these verses we just read? Run for your life. Danger is what God's saying. You may not have known it before, but I pray that God is beginning to open up to you that something that you are beginning to entertain in your life, I pray that God would just say to you, danger, danger, flashing lights, red lights, train tracks, gates coming down, bridges out, whatever God needs to say, I pray that that's what he's saying to you tonight. Maybe you know it, but you don't believe it. You ever been in that place? You ever read God's word? You know what it says, but you don't believe it? Or you don't want to believe it? Amen? You ever been there? We're being honest, right? I've been there before. But it says in these verses, it is going to cost you, and it will cost you dearly. It's a trap. Don't fall for it. You know, it's been said that what men long for the most is respect. You know, in those moments, this guy may feel like he's finally being respected, but at the end of the day, he's going to feel the least respectable that he ever has before. It's been said that, that the, the thing that ladies are looking for is for someone to see them as special. And in those moments, she may feel that way, but it's going to be a fleeting moment because when all of everything is over, he's going to feel the least special she ever has in her life. The Bible is telling us, friends, it's a trap. Don't fall for it. It's going to cost you, and you're going to pay dearly. All I can do tonight is hope that you'll listen to God's word and listen to the Lord tonight. Maybe somebody tonight, you are right on the brink of making a wrong decision, and the Bible is saying the danger that's there. The last thing, though, is how do we deal with that? I'm going to trust tonight that there's somebody here that says, okay, Pastor Robbie, I'm with you. I kind of knew that, you know, this was not good. Certainly, I understand that. I understand there's probably some passages in the Bible that that spoke to that. But what am I supposed to do? What I want to say to you tonight is God tells us how to deal with these things. And we need to have a plan. Because if we don't have a plan, you're probably not going to have victory in this area. Let's just be honest. Many people in our society are falling to this. Amen? Amen. So what makes me think that I'm any stronger than anybody else? you agree with me? I need God's help. Amen? So let's look at what he says. The first thing that God says to us is, Run. Run. Leave. Get out of there. You know, it's amazing to me that the Bible... Challenges us to face the struggles in life with God's help. It teaches us to not be afraid, to not give up, to not back down. But in regards to this particular struggle we face, the Bible is very clear. When you come upon sexual sin, run. Don't try to face it. Don't try to prove to God or anybody else that you're strong enough. Just run. It's clear what the Bible says. In Genesis chapter 39, there was a godly man who had had a lot of bad things happen to him. His name was Joseph. And finally, Joseph had gotten a break and he had gotten a great job. But his boss's wife was after Joseph. And it says in verse 11, now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the household were there inside. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in, his, in her hand and fled and went outside. What did Joseph do? He didn't say, let's sit down and talk about this. Hey, can't we figure this out? He said, see ya. And that was the best thing he could have done. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. The Bible says, flee from immorality. Flee from sexual sin in our life. Flee from that. Just run from it is what the Bible says. In Proverbs 5 and 7, remember what it says. It says, do not go near it says stay far away, not even close. Someone said not even a hint. I don't even be close to that. We should be afraid of this sexual sin. We should treat it like the plague. We should not treat sex like the plague, but we should treat the inappropriate experiencing of it like the plague. We should see it. I don't know if this helps you, but if you read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 8, in that passage, it actually says to us that... When we commit sexual sin, we are trespassing. Now, I don't know about you, but this helps me. I, I do a lot of outdoor stuff. I, I, my dad just taught me, you don't go on somebody else's property unless you ask for permission. Okay? I mean, I don't care. You do not go on somebody else's property unless you ask permission. I cannot imagine. I'd be scared. One time the kids and I were out hiking, and I remember we walked up on this house, and I said, guys... Be quiet. Of course, you know that's when your kids are not going to be quiet. What, daddy, what? What'd you say? What, daddy, what? Be quiet. We're gonna get shot. Just back out of here. Would you ever break into anybody's house? Would you ever go on anyone else's property? Do you know that is what you are doing? When you have sexual relations with someone besides your spouse. When I begin to see it that way, wow, I, I don't want to be a trespasser, do you? I don't want to be breaking and entering. I don't want to be stepping across any lines that God says I'm not supposed to step across. I'm not even supposed to be, get close to. You know, for most things you've heard me say, I said it last week, for most things I would say progress, not perfection. You've heard me say that before, right? In our walk with God, it's progress, not perfection. But for this one, apparently, it's stop today. Just just stop right now. Don't. Friend, I'm just trying to help you. I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to show you the gravity of what God's word says about this. It will cost you. It will cost you dearly. The Bible says do not tolerate one more moment of that in your life. Someone said this in regards to Joseph in Genesis 39. It says right now. This very moment, this person said, "Determined to be a Joseph. What did it say? Right now, this very moment, determined to be a Joseph. Make up your mind with God's help to join his ranks and from this day, from this point forward, resist. If you don't, this person says, you will yield. It is only a matter of time. We must no longer, friend, tonight. Apparently, in this room, there are many of us that, on some level, are giving in in this area of our lives. And God is sending out a cry to us. He knows that's happening. And He's bringing you this message to say, Listen, I want to save you, I want to rescue you from hurting your life. You are not strong enough. But if God is going to be able to help you, I want to tell you about the second thing. You've got to build some hedges in your life. Maybe we call them boundaries. Actually, I got that word hedges from a guy named Jerry Jenkins. He wrote a book, and it's called Hedges. You can go buy the book. It's a great book. The concept is this. He said, we need to plant preventative hedges around our life. These hedges are practical ways to avoid compromising situations and giving temptation a foothold in our lives. In other words, he's saying we need to work hard with God's help to minimize the opportunities for this sin in our life. Romans chapter 13, verse 14 puts it like this. It says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Do not feed your flesh. Do not give your sin nature. Listen, let's just, I'm a sinner, amen? Amen. If you're an English person, a sinner is one who sins, right? That's my nature. I have a sin nature. And the Bible says I need to begin starving that. I don't need to feed it. Make no provision for sin in your life. Limit the opportunities. Now, the problem, as Mr. Jenkins says in his book, is that many people think that the things I'm about to share are prudish or they're silly or, or they're over the top. But, but this, I want to say this. You might feel that way, but I want to say this. I can guarantee you that people who've gotten this serious about this are seeing a lot more victory over sexual temptation than those who haven't. So let me suggest some things, okay? Now, these are just suggestions. You've got to pray about your personal convictions about what would honor God in your life. Here's some suggestions. Commit to not be totally alone with a member of the opposite sex besides your spouse or a family member. Hey, you singles, you high school students, people who are dating. You need to think about, how often am I alone with my boyfriend or my girlfriend? And what kind of situation, what kind of, what kind of compromise is that potentially putting me in? Maybe I should think more about group dating. Amen? Being with other people. Have you ever thought about having effective protections on your computer, on your TV? You know, I found something this week. Maybe some of you heard about is It's FamilySafeMedia.com. Go to that website, family safe Media. They actually have a DVD player now that you can play any movie you want to, and you can tell it to take out the language. You can tell it to take out the violence. You can take it to te- take, take out the uh, sexual uh, content, and you can basically take out all those bad elements of a movie. That's pretty smart, isn't it? I mean, I'd be careful if you got to do that much work about watching in the first place. <laughs> But I'm just saying. <laughs> Did you know there's something called PluggedIn.com? PluggedIn.com is a ministry of on on the family. If your kids are going to a movie, I would, I would check it out on PluggedIn.com because they give reviews. And they say, here's what's going to be in this movie. And they give it a rating uh, based on language and all those other factors that we've talked about. I would encourage you to have your computers in open places. In public places. In places where other people can see the screen. I would encourage you to be allergic to commercials. We're allergic to commercials at our house. Seriously. If you come over to our house, you're going, what's wrong with these people? When when we are watching the TV program, it's like, where's remote, where's remote? We're grabbing, we turn, we're allergic to commercials. I don't want to see them. Because I've tried to watch some of them. and, And it's too risky. I can't handle it. Or I don't want my kids, I don't want my wife to see that. We're allergic to commercials. Maybe you should be allergic to them. The Bible says in Job 31, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Are you training your eyes? Are you teaching your eyes what they can see and what they can't see? I'd be careful about sending false signals to people of the opposite sex, even if you don't mean to. Men, be careful about hugs or touches with ladies. Be careful not to give the impression that you're flirting with someone. Ladies are more touch-oriented. Ladies are more emotion-oriented. Emotion so you've got to be careful about sending the wrong signals. Ladies, I would consider how you dress. Think about it, because men are more visually responsive. Now, I'm going to save most of this for the ladies to go into, into more detail, but, but I don't hear many people bringing this up, so I'm going to say it. Who's going to teach our young ladies how to dress in a modest and godly way? My understanding as I taught to ladies is it's harder and harder to buy modest clothes for young ladies. Isn't it? Okay, I understand that. But sometimes I'm not sure if some people are even trying. Okay? Are, are we paying attention to that? Moms, I got to tell you, that's primarily your job. And, and dad's, If mom's not doing that, then then maybe you need to have a conversation with mom. Hey, honey, you know, and I think you probably would need to work mostly through mom in that area, okay? But are we paying attention to those kind of things in our lives and the lives of our children? Okay, third thing, after build hedges, be accountable to other people. We said this last week, didn't we? Hey, you're going to hear a lot more. Proverbs 27, verse 17, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Listen, While you're working on growth in this area, you need somebody asking you about it. Amen? And you know what? Even after you grow, you still need somebody asking you about it. Amen? I mean, I'm never going to make any progress until I have to stand in front of somebody with skin and bones and say, here's who I really am. Isn't that true? Many of us are finding that. I thank God I see that happening across our church family in so many ministries. A personal accountability. If you are going to be serious about following Jesus Christ and being totally sold out and surrendered and committed to him and honoring him with your life, you've got to get serious about being accountable to somebody in your life. Sounds pretty important, doesn't it? And there's lots of different levels. I mean, there's so many ways, most ways I'm accountable to my wife. I mean, it can be like sometimes I'll get an email and something will come through my filter or whatever. I immediately, I'm scared. If something came through my email... I mean, we've got tight email. We've got like tight, you know, whatevers. What do you call them, Jeff? Filters? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever we got, it keeps them out. But if something comes through, I call Shannon immediately. I don't care what I'm doing. I say, I'm sorry, something came through. I just deleted it. I just wanted you to know, write the date down. I mean, I, I'm, I'm spastic about it. You're like, wow, you're kind of wacko. Well, that's all right, but my marriage is still going to stay together. Amen? <laughs> my wife will never wonder about me, I hope. Amen? There should be some men in your life, men. There should be some ladies in your life, ladies. You can share other things with. The last thing is this, let God change your desires. The Bible talks about repentance. The, re- the word repentance means a change of mind. The Bible seems to indicate in James chapter 1, verse 14, that the reason I'm trapped by temptation is because whatever is presented, I want. Don't miss this. This really transformed it for me. If you're just worried about that thing coming along, that situation happening, then you'll be all the time worried, won't you? But what I need to work on is, hey, I'm going to minimize the opportunities for that. That's the hedges. But sometimes things happen, don't they? And I need to be ready that that's not a desire that I have. Amen? Whatever the temptation is. I told you before. If you don't like chocolate chip cookies and somebody offers you chocolate chip cookies on your diet, you're not going to say, oh my goodness, I'm on a diet. Oh, I want those cookies. You're going to say, no, I don't like chocolate chip cookies. Right? If you don't like what's being offered, if you don't desire, so let God change your desires. And remember what we said. It's not that he takes the desires away. He gives you better ones. Right? By the way, something that will really help you with this sexual sin thing. Did you hear what it said? Her steps go down to the grave. Okay, if you're ever tempted by someone else to commit sexual sin, see them morphing into a dragon with (laughs) claws. I'm not kidding. That ain't pretty. Shrieking with their claws on my grave. (laughs) I said, (laughs) no thank you amen (laughs) that's not pretty that's not handsome that helps change my desires tonight friends we've joked a little bit we've been a little serious but as your pastor i just i i want to with all my heart help you because many of our lives and homes I don't think we're any better than any other churches or any other Christians. And the the statistics show and what you turned in from the surveys we gave you indicates we struggle with this as much as anybody else. That's the real you. And I'm glad you shared it. I pray tonight that you would take God noticing that and talking about that and giving you direction for that. It's him speaking to your heart. Danger, danger. Turn it over to me. Would you do that right now?